Hi, and welcome to Dietless Living 360 Degrees, Overcoming Weight Loss Obstacles with me, your host, Katie Gordon. As a weight loss coach, I help my clients to overcome their weight loss obstacles so they can lose weight their way and lose it for life. The old saying that it takes a village to raise a child is the same when it comes to our health and weight loss goals. Because our weight loss obstacles reach out into so many other areas of our life, into our relationships, our businesses, our work, our homes, um, and sometimes out into other areas of our health. Maybe we have injuries, more complex uh, health issues that we need to deal with. So with that in mind, Dietless Living 360 Degrees brings in other professionals to help you overcome those obstacles. And today we have the lovely Kelly Asmos Albanos from Barnsdale in East Gippsland, Victoria. Kelly helps people to quit smoking with the Quit Cigarettes in 60 Minutes program. She's helped more than 200 customers to successfully quit smoking. The program is covered by a lifetime guarantee and Kelly is passionate about giving her customers their control back from the cigarette habit and stands by all her customers until they're successful. There's no limit to the time that you can come back and talk to Kelly about the program. Kelly's also written a book called The Quit Book, which hit number one in its category on Amazon in 2019, a month after being released. And it was on the top spot for a few weeks after that and stayed in the top 10 for many months after. The methods that Kelly uses are a mixture of NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming, and advanced hypnosis techniques to help her customers to control their smoking habit at the source which is in the non-conscious mind. Hypnosis is such a powerful tool for dealing with habits and combined with NLP and her free follow-up sessions, her success rate is over 95%. So welcome to the show, Kelly. It's great having you with us today. Would you like to tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and what the main way is, obviously, that you help your clients, which is to quit smoking? Hi, Katie. It's great to see you again. So I help my customers, as you said, with neuro-linguistic programming, and I also use hypnosis techniques. So when my customers come in, they're coming in to quit smoking and, you know, that's the obvious thing. But why do they want to quit smoking? And that's what I help them to really get clear on. So by the time that they're going into the hypnosis session, they're giving up the costs they're giving up the impacts on their health. They're giving up the coughs and the breathlessness and the impacts on their kids or their grandkids or whatever it is that's really important to that person. And the reason that I do it as a one-to-one -one program is because it's different for every single person that comes in. And the reason that it's so successful, as you said, is because people can come back for a free follow-up session if they need to. And they can do that for up to three times. So a total of four times. But most people are fine after the first or, you know, sometimes if they need a second session, especially if they're really nervous, they might not be able to relax quite as much. Yeah. But by the second session, they know exactly what's going to happen. So they're completely relaxed and they're fine. They're good to go in, you know, the time that they're leaving the office. Well, that's amazing. And a 95% success rate, which is astonishingly great. Um, and you know, I remember when I, back in my day, when I used to smoke, 
Um, it took me a long time to give up smoking. I was kind of the sort of person who uh, slowly weaned myself off them over time. Mm. So just to come in and do one, maybe two 60 sec, uh, second, <laughs> well, that would be fast, wouldn't that it? would be very fast. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, one or two 60-minute sessions with you and just be done and dusted is sensational. Absolutely. Yeah. I used to be a smoker as well. It took me seven attempts to give up. So I know how hard it is. I put on eight kilos in two weeks and it took a lot longer than two weeks to get rid of it again. Um, In fact, I never really got rid of all of it. So, um, and that's going back a few years now. Yeah. But I know from experience how hard it is. And sometimes you just need someone to stand by you and say, do you know what? I've got you. We've got this together. Um, so that's yeah that's why I do it that's why I'm so passionate about it and that's the thing isn't it we really want somebody there to support us and even if it's you know not continued support I mean you do a 60 minute session with your clients but it's just knowing somebody like you say it's got your back absolutely yeah and with all the you know we had bushfires here 2019 to 2020 over the summer period and that was devastating for our region So there was quite a few of my customers that then got in touch with me and said, oh, I went back to smoking. I'm like, you know what? It's okay. Just come back in there. These people had, sorry, I get a little bit emotional. They'd filled up their car and their trailer and were driving away, not knowing if they're ever going to see the house again. And someone, you know, there was one guy that his brother-in-law was beside him in the car and he's having a cigarette because he was so stressed. And he's like, oh, just give me one. As soon as he had that one, he was, you know, the habit comes back and all the everything else comes back as well, all the cravings and everything. But he waited for a relapse, months. isn't it? Yeah, but he bought, he did the thing that bought him comfort. And I can't say, oh, you shouldn't have done that because it brought him comfort at the time. Yeah. In the, one of the probably the most stressful times yeah. of his whole entire life. Yeah. And, you know, I live in town and we still had boxes of stuff packed up, not knowing what was going to happen and, you know, right in the middle of town. So I can imagine what it was like for them to have all their stuff in their car and driving away from this home that they had built and God knows if they're going to see it again. Yeah. Did so it happy ending? They did. They um, They had sprinklers and everything set up all across the whole roof. So they got home. They had no water left in their tanks, but the house was safe. So they had, yeah, it was very, very good. Um, A blessing for them that the weather turned and went the opposite direction. Not so great for the people in the opposite direction. Yeah, Um, I remember that year. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, we Australia, like it wasn't even just in down in your region. You guys got yeah. bad though, but it was like Australia yeah. was on fire. For Absolutely. Stuff. A lot of the East Coast was on fire. There was, um, I think it was around the same time that Kangaroo Island yeah. and um, there was parts of the West as well. It was horrific. Yeah, it was a season to remember, that's for sure, yeah. for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. So... so- Um, During 2020, um, you know, we were just getting back to some kind of normal. The fires were under control for two weeks before the pandemic was announced in Australia. So, yeah, that was... We had a flood in between there too, remember? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because it was, you know, Um, everyone was jokingly, but not really, like, you know, fire, flood, pestilence. Was it pestilence? Whatever that, yeah. Yeah. Pestilence is bugs, isn't it? Same time to be alive. (laughs) It was a weird year for sure. 
so there was, you know, there was a few people that due to COVID and losing their jobs and, you know, getting sick and whatever else that also, um, you know, they took up smoking again for whatever reason. So all of 2020 and all of 2021, I didn't even count the sessions. So yep. those people could come back multiple times and they weren't even counted towards their final count of sessions. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's a small thing that I can do, but to them it meant a lot. Exactly. And, you know, you're serving people, aren't you? You're helping Absolutely. them because, you know, it's an extraordinary time yeah. for, for everybody really. Like there wasn't one person that wasn't affected by all of that. So Absolutely. thank you for that. Thank you for helping humanity. No, that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I like helping people. I'm a, I'm a born helper and nurturer. So yeah. that's just, yeah. But um, as you also mentioned, I wrote a book. Yeah. Um, and this, I've got to say it. When people tell you that you can't do something, this is what you do. <laughs> um, I had two little kids. Um, my daughter was only a baby. Um, and I was starting to write my book and I had so many people going, don't do it. It's not the right time. Um, you know, you're waiting until they're at school and all this sort of stuff. But this book was, it was coming out of me anyway. It was just <laughs> writing itself. So I had my, you know, my brain just like a dump of all this information into the computer. Yep. And then that's how I wrote the book. So it's very much how I'm talking now is very much how the book is written. It's like having a conversation, but I'm not actually there. Yeah. But it's Which makes it so easy to read, right? They're the easiest yes. books to read because they are conversational. Yeah. And it goes through um, chapter one, your goal. So getting really clear on what your goal is and why it's your goal. Um, then it goes into your triggers, when you're going to give up smoking and how to make that choice, then taking yep. action, um, all the other things that I go through with my customers already for the first part of our quit smoking session. Yeah. And so I actually give them a copy of this book when they book in. Oh, great. Just because then they can go through, they know what their triggers are by the time they come in for the session. Yeah. Um, they know what their reasons are. So by the time they come in, they're so clear that, it's even more successful because they know exactly what they need to do and why they want to do it and oh. the things that are holding them back. And they can buy the book on Amazon, right? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Is it on and your website? Pardon? Is it on your website? Yeah, I even have um, the quitbook.com.au. I was really lucky to have that one. <laughs> so it's literally just called The Quit Book. Yep, excellent. And I have to say, it's got lots of quotes. I'm a photographer as well. I put a lot of my favourite birds or oh, my nice. favourite photos and things in there. So it's very, um, very empowering. I'm hoping for, well, everyone that's read it so far has said that, you know, it's it was really good to read before they come in to and see me. Yep. Um, I haven't actually heard... Uh, feedback from anyone that hasn't come in yet but hopefully there will be like um, I need to actually get out there and ask for reviews because I, I haven't done that yet yeah um, okay yeah it's it's okay. been very very successful for all the people that I know of excellent so they can get that book on Amazon or they can come to your website which was again thequitbook.com.au yep okay lovely yep 
So, Kelly, we already kind of touched on a little bit with the fires, but one of the questions I like to ask my guests is I like to talk about what are the, the, the biggest hardships that they've had to overcome in their life. So, you know, like some I say hardships, sometimes people don't relate to hardships, but then when I say, oh, obstacles and challenges, oh, yes, I've had some obstacles and challenges. So what's some of the, like, either one or more of the biggest hardships, challenges or obstacles that you've had to overcome and how did you do it? Like what were the strategies that you used? What was, how did you build your resilience to overcome it? Yeah, um, I definitely know what you mean by hardships. Um, I've had a very roller coaster life, put it that way. <laughs> um, started off with uh, my biological father is a, most likely still is a pedophile. And, you know, having to get past all that stuff. Um, when I was about eight and a half, I finally told mum what was going on because before that I thought it was normal. It's how I'd grown up. So I didn't wow. know any different. Um, I can talk about it easily now. All the, the NLP training that I've done really helped me to have the strategies to be able to let that stuff go. Yeah. And I was able to give all of that stuff back to him. So I can talk about it because I know that I don't have any of the blame. So I don't feel any guilt or anything else around it now. Mm -hmm. I've given that all back to him because he is the one that did the wrong thing. Yes. I was a child in the wrong place. So, yeah. you know, um, so th that was a lot of counselling when I was growing up, um, all sorts of stuff. But it wasn't until... I came to actually believe that it wasn't my fault that I was actually then able to, you know, let go of it enough to be able to get through. Yeah, I'm able to move on. Yeah. I'm very, I know that I'm overprotective of my own kids. Like they don't go for sleepovers or anything else if I don't know the parents. And that's a, obviously a result of what happened to me. Mm -hmm. um, but everything else I've actually managed to deal with it and to be able to have it I love my life so yeah. um, I'm, I feel quite proud that I have gotten past all of that stuff um, you know in teenage years I was with someone that wasn't a nice person um, I was with them for eight and a half years before I finally got the courage to leave they were abusive I got to the point that I'm like if I don't get out of here I'm not getting out of here at all. Yeah. It got scary. Wow. So managed to make the break there. Um, then it was about six months or a bit more than six months later, um, enjoying my single life and, you know, going to Antarctica with work and all sorts of amazing. That was, you know, the roller coaster of life. Yeah. I want to come and, back to Antarctica, but keep going. Yeah. Well, I met the good guy on the... Um, on the second trip that I went to Antarctica and had a bit of a long distance relationship for a bit before we actually ended up in the same country. So we've been married for uh, coming up to 16 years this year. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> um, How many another, kids do you have? Um, I've got three kids. So mm -hmm. I was getting to another hardship. Our first child was stillborn. So again, you're dropping back down into the yeah. depths of hell because I've I would not wish losing a child on my worst nightmare. It is the most horrific thing. And I've been through a lot of stuff. Yeah. The most horrific thing that I've ever been through. And it actually broke me. So 
um, my son would have been 11 this year. Yeah. And we were very, very lucky to have two children after him. So I've got my second son is um, was nine in February and I have a little girl that's coming up to seven. So I'm very, very, very lucky and very grateful yeah. that I was able to have healthy children after losing my child. I was, yeah, it's... Um, you never forget, do you? There's a lot of people that think you just forget and move on, but that, that's just an impossibility. And it shows you who your friends are. So I lost a lot of friendships as well because people didn't know what to say, so they didn't say anything and just disappeared. Wow, it's funny, on. isn't it? <laughs> so it's it's heartbreaking at the time because you've yeah. just lost your child and then you've got friends that just don't care enough to actually make the effort to see if you're okay in the most horrific time of your life I don't know that um this is just my thought and opinion I don't know that it's they don't care enough but it's they're too afraid you know people are so afraid in grief to reach out and just be there and say oh, I have no idea what to say I have no idea what to do however I will just sit and hold a hand or I'm here and yeah, absolutely. We, we've all made mistakes um, along the way. God knows I made a million of them myself. But I do believe that is, you know, if they're your friends, that it wasn't that they didn't care. But, you know, we just get so lost in fear that we do nothing, which seems yeah. like we don't care, I think. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, some of those friendships, all I did was just stopped contacting stopped being the person to keep the friendship going and it just died anyway so it was kind of telling me that it was a one-sided friendship anyway maybe it's just a parting of the ways isn't it yeah but you know as I as I said you know who your friends are when you've been to Helen back so because <laughs> yeah. they're the ones that make sure that you're still there and um, I had one friend who every single day would send me a message checking up on you she wouldn't say how are you because it's like it's the stupidest question you can ever ask anyone that has just lost a massive part of their life. Yeah. Um, but just check, just checking in. And if I didn't reply, she'd be at my door. <laughs> so can you give some advice then? Because to help other people who may be listening, who either have a friend or family member who has, is going through grief, whether it's from losing a child or somebody, just somebody dear to them, is there some advice? Because grief is a really hard thing. I remember buying some books for uh, somebody I know who lost a baby and, you know, the, the book, there, it was actually a two set, uh, a book of like two in a set. One was for the person who'd lost the baby and the other was for this person. So one was for them on how to deal with their grief and this one was how to be with that person while they were dealing with their grief so it was a really good book set I wish I could remember what it was but is there some advice that you could give to people on on exactly what it would be that you would want you know like you had that friend who was just sending you a text that said just checking in and if you didn't reply they were there at your door mm. um what else is there you know like because people um they don't know whether to ask you out for you know, do you want to go for a coffee? That, that just is like this emptiness of I don't know what to do, so I'll do nothing. So if could you give some advice on what it would have what you would have liked people to have done? So even the people that 
still invited us to things but said the wrong thing like sometimes they would just come out and just say you know oh your child's in a better place which I still hate no they're not in a better place they're dead (laughs) it's not okay and I can't accept that but at least they were trying so I never got angry with them for not knowing I would just say I don't believe that yeah but you know they were there is nothing that anyone can say that is going to make you feel better so don't try to make them feel better just be there be the person speak the child's name because they would have named the child or you know if it was in a miscarriage and they didn't know the gender they will have something that they refer to the baby like um a friend of mine um they called the baby peanut because in the first ultrasound they look like a little peanut um so you know speak their name it's it's okay like you're not reminding them that they've lost a child because Because they never forgot (laughs) they've never forgotten um and it's the same with um someone losing a family member and you know they might have been 90 something years old and you know I've heard people say oh well they had a long life it doesn't make it any less hard to let go of that person though. It's still something that, you know, they've just lost that person. So maybe you can ask them what your favorite memories are of that person. Um, You know, things that are, remember them just, yeah. Talk about it with them because that's, you know, I've lost a lot of people as well and you're right people don't want to talk about it because they don't want to they're afraid they're going to remind you I remember uh, a friend of mine her daughter's boyfriend uh, committed suicide and nobody wanted to mention his name we all worked with the boy and you know everybody was like so afraid to mention his name in case we you know it made us all remember but there wasn't one person who wasn't walking around thinking you know having thoughts about him we were all there and you're so right that um it's important to say their name so it's not lost and so that it's not a secret and, you know, just to keep it all up front and allow somebody their tears. I think the thing that people are afraid of is that they'll say something and you'll cry and they feel uncomfortable when Mm. somebody's crying. And I think to that I often just say just let them cry, you know, don't even try to comfort them, just let them cry. And then wait until they're, they're ready to talk again. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. And people will talk if you give them the space to. And it helps them move past their grief, right? I mean, that's the whole grieving thing. When my brother died uh, in 1982, uh, my dad, who was still working then, and he said he years and years later he told me this story, he said, you know, it was only three three weeks or three months after my brother had died and he was sitting in the lunchroom uh, at his work and he was very sad and, you know, kind of despondent and one of the other workers went, what's wrong with Terry? And, you know, they said, oh, well, I think he's still grieving at his, about his son and they went, God, still? You know, like three weeks or three months was going to be enough but that's just people's 
I'll say ignorant, but it, it, it is an ignorance. It's just a not knowing of the experience of somebody passing. And it takes years and years and years. And really, I don't think it ever goes away. You just kind yeah. of integrate it into your life. And with enough time and distance, you yeah. can uh, have less, uh, more and more days where the grief isn't so prominent. Yeah, that's right. So I know um, this Mother's Day wasn't as hard as it normally is. Like I, as I said, I'm very grateful for the kids that, you know, my rainbow babies that came after the storm. Uh, so I'm very grateful to have them. But still, you know, Mother's Day is a reminder of what I don't have. And it's always like um, I have a photography business as well. So for Mother's Day, I created something amazing and beautiful that I could then give away. So I give away like a whole photo shoot, hair and makeup, everything, the whole works, every photo, um, like every final photo is printed. Yeah. Um, and so the lead up to Mother's Day, I'm focusing on something that gives me joy instead of focusing so much on how much my heart hurts that there's a big hole there. Yes. So that's, I mean, that's how I deal with it. Um, other people have different ways of dealing with things, but milestones and significant days are very, very hard. They are. Uh, I could talk about this for our whole session together, actually, uh, or we probably will move on to something else. But it's, it's such a big topic because we have all these scripts in our head like, you know, our mind has raced ahead for the years of either the mm -hmm. person that we've, you know, whether it's like you say, your mother or father or somebody who dies at 90, it's your brain mm -hmm. has still got all these scripts that it's written about all the birthdays and Christmases and everything that it's going to share with that person. And, and it has to rewrite all of those scripts as each time comes. And I imagine as you with a, a child when you lose a child you, you've you've re, you've written your mum you've written all the scripts right through for their whole entire life and you have to go through those steps mm, yeah yeah it was yeah very 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 difficult time of my life but um my son taught me a lot a lot about resilience a lot about you know who my friends were a lot about who I was and what I was capable of so anything now it's not too hard because I've survived that so nothing is going to hurt me now yeah it's you um, have been through a lot benchmark for strength yeah you've been through so much yeah yeah um I said to someone one day I must have been a really bad person in a previous life and I'm paying for it this never. life never never but, never you know, say and that. I said well maybe you just need these lessons to pass on to the next level or you know I don't know what comes next after after death and I'm you know I don't think I'll ever know until I'm actually there but it's interesting <laughs> I don't know why some people have a lot more hardships to go through than others but I never think of it as having to go through lessons. It's just the, the roller coaster of a human life. Because some people do have a lot to go through, born in eras where they have to go through wars and depressions. And yeah. you know, there's, there's just so many people. I think it is just the life of a human being that we have to go through so many things. Yeah. So tell me, Kelly, 
when you we've talked about your hardships and you've been through many so what's one of the biggest risks that you've ever taken and why why did you take it um always for love <laughs> um met my um my husband on the second antarctic trip that i was on and you know it was supposed to be you know just a little bit of fun fooling around whatever um but oh, actually, romance. Fell in love. <laughs> um so I still call him my Latin lover because um husband sounds so boring <laughs> um and he's from Chile so yep it's definitely Latino <laughs> but so many people you know everyone has their own stories on things yeah so when we were together and I told people about this amazing guy that I'd met and all this sort of stuff, and there were the people that were, you know, oh, well, um, how do you know that he's not just marrying you to get into Australia? Or, um, you know, that kind of that kind of thing. But, Pessimistic view. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he also said, well, if I can't come to Australia, would you move to Chile? So I looked up, you know, teaching English to speakers of other languages because what else was I going to do there? I can't sit still, so I have to be doing something. Yeah. Um, and that was going to be the plan B, that if I, if his visa to come to Australia didn't get approved, I was going to move to Chile. So it wasn't that he wanted to just move to Australia. He actually wanted to be with me. And I made sure that he met my family before I actually accepted, um, you know, to get married because I'm like, oh, for one, I tried to talk him out of it because you don't want to marry me. Why would you want to marry me? Like, <laughs> why did you try to talk him out of it? <laughs> exactly. But why? You're lovely. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> And then, um, yeah, then he met my family and I'm like, well, if you still want to marry me, you know what you're getting yourself into, buddy. <laughs> so, I mean, my family are great, but I wanted to make sure that he had met my family and that they approved as well. So my family love him. He is a good guy. And have you been over to Chile? Have you spent much time in yeah. Chile? Yeah, we've been um, four times in total. It's been about, oh, what are we up to now, four and a half years since we met or since we got to go back because we were due to go back around 2020, 2021. Yeah. Obviously that can't happen right now. So yeah. um, the international borders are opening up more and more. Um, yes. But, yeah, I'm still a, I'm still worried about taking the kids out of the country, to be honest. Um, so I don't know when it's going to be that we can all get there as a family. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. But I guess with the magic of um, technology and everything that your kids get to see their grandparents and their Chile, their family in Chile through the magic of Skype and Zoom and WhatsApp yeah, absolutely. and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they're, um, they're, my kids don't really speak Spanish because my husband was a little bit lazy. Uh, so they know the basic, you know, hello, goodbye, thank you, that kind of thing. Um, they know how to say how are you, but yeah, actual conversations they yeah they wouldn't be able to keep up. Oh, my but um, my kids don't need it either. Like when we were last there, there was kids that they they could say hello goodbye to. That yep. was it, and they were playing together all day. 
the universal language right absolutely yeah and even when I was first going to Chile like I learned Spanish so I could speak to my husband's family but Spanish wasn't very good for a while there so it's still not great now Um, but at least I try and that's the main thing but his family are fantastic like they just accepted me into the family and they're all really lovely people so then why wouldn't they you love to be able to go back and see them again (laughs) Okay, so that's really interesting. And I'm still going to come back to Antarctica in a moment. Um, But maybe you could tell me um, about the hardest thing that you've ever gone through voluntarily. Like you've gone through a lot of hardships Mm. um, that weren't of your choice. Is there anything that you've gone through voluntarily, like you've chosen to do something because it was going to serve a greater purpose but it was an arduous task or you know it just turned out to be something that you didn't quite expect and it was a bit of a hardship or a great obstacle yeah so um after Lou had come to Australia to meet my family um the day or two days before he was flying back to Chile he asked me to marry him and I actually said yes at that point we've been together for bit over six months I think at that stage yeah but then we knew that we couldn't see each other in person for the next seven and a half months oh so it was our way of saying I will I'm serious about this I'm you know not going to do anything with anyone else I'm waiting for you yeah Um, and yes we didn't see each other in person so because he was working on an Antarctic ship as well we couldn't just ring each other because he's in the middle of the ocean. So, yeah. um, so we had emails each day and when he was in port, he'd give me a call. Um, if it was a significant time or whatever, um, he would ring for a couple of minutes on the satellite phone, which was really, really expensive, like $5 a minute to be oh, able wow. to ring. And on a Chilean's wage, like, you know, it's not like Australian dollars. Um, that was a lot of money. So it was very, um, you know, a two-minute conversation was all we had. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. This voice. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's not like, um, you know, we didn't have Facebook and that kind of thing at that time to be able to do messenger calls and whatever else. So I know we live in the best of times now, don't we? Absolutely. It would have been much easier. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it that you do for fun, Kelly? um photography we go on family adventures and find you know amazing places like the this is um that was from Machu Picchu from when um when we got to go over there before kids were born and you know good backpack and all those things but um, yeah I absolutely adore my photography yes Um, we'll have you back on the show to talk more about your photography because you do some beautiful work yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm very, very passionate about it. You've just been so, away. Yeah. Every time I've spoken to you recently, you're off for a weekend. So you've yeah. been off <laughs> taking photos and doing fun stuff with the kids, haven't you? Yeah, yeah well, we nearly paid our mortgage off. Um, we were very excited about that. And then we decided to take all the money out of the redraw, buy a ute for my husband and a caravan. Nice one. <laughs> so, yes. So now we've got a mortgage and, yeah. That's okay, though. It's more fun. Like when my kids are, you know, 30 years old and they've got their own families and whatever else, are they going to look back to when they were 
nine and nearly seven and go, oh, oh my God, I remember when my parents paid off our mortgage. <laughs> or are they going to look back and go, we had such fun. Yeah, we had so many great holidays. Yeah, and even if it's just a weekend, like we went to um, Hiawatha, um, the Minnehaha Falls near Yarram, which is in Victoria, Yeah, um, had a weekend there. Um, we live in East Gippsland and it's a beautiful place with so many amazing places to go and visit. So, you know, we've got beaches um, 10 minutes down the road from Bansdale, um, Lakes Entrance. We've got the Gippsland Lakes that are running along the coast. Um, yeah. We've got mountains and snow and it's already snowing here. I can feel it in the air. <laughs> Yay! Um, I have only ever seen beautiful. snow a few times, unfortunately. So how wonderful are you going to go for weekends yeah. to the snow? <laughs> yeah, no, it's beautiful. So um, we'll just go on a day trip to the snow because there's no way I'm staying up there overnight. It's too cold. <laughs> in but the caravan? Uh, you sure? <laughs> oh, definitely not in the caravan. It would be freezing. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully in, um, in a few months we're going to be going a little bit north with the caravan and you know finding a few places to have a few adventures we have no plans which is the best bit so we'll just figure it out as we go have you thought about packing up renting out the house and traveling around australia and homeschooling the kids constantly (laughs) yeah i've been thinking about that since before i even had kids a good plan i've known a few people who have done it and just been the best experiences Mm. could have ever done with their kids and we know that we can homeschool now <laughs> been doing exactly. it thank you COVID yeah. <laughs> yes um so I normally ask my um, guests about how do they relax but it sounds like your fun and relaxation are really part and parcel or are they different um, well, on a Friday night, so tonight, the kids and I and my husband, he's, um, he's been away all week, so we'll have dinner together and then we'll watch a movie of some kind. Um, we've, it's cold now, so we have the wood fire going, um, nice. you know, Disney movie, wood fire, dinner. It's just I, that's the kind of stuff that I love now. I would swap you a bit of that cold because it's still not very cold actually in Brisbane for this particular time of year. It's still pretty mild weather, but we've had a lot of rain. So I'll swap you some of that cold and your nice fireplace. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love the heat. I'm more of a I'm more of a heat person than the cold. It, like when I can feel the snow in the air in Bansdale, I'm like, oh, here comes winter. <laughs> See, and I'm the opposite. Oh, here comes summer, the heat. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, I actually wanted to move to Brisbane because it felt, it just seemed like it would be warm all year. It is. It's not yeah. very, and I live in an apartment too, which makes it a lot warmer through the winter because, you know, you've got so much insulation in apartments mm. yeah. as opposed to the thin walls of a house. So I, I find that it's extra, extra mild <laughs> for the yeah. winters. So we'll yeah. do a swap. In the next winter, we'll do a little house swap. You come up oh, here, absolutely. I'll go down there. <laughs> yeah, I was actually talking to someone about that one day. It's like, yeah, you can have my house. I'll have your house. Let's just swap for, you know, a few weeks. <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing, right? You can. There's, how, there's websites for house swapping. You can go anywhere in the world and swap homes with people. Just Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kelly, tell me, 
how did your earlier career choices actually lead you to where you are now? Is there a connection or is it one of those things that just evolved and there's real no real trail of breadcrumbs that got you to where you are now? Um, it's more like the branches of a tree with my... <laughs> So I started out with, um, I love science and I will always love science. I love asking questions and then trying to find answers to them. I love how our brain works and biology and all that sort of stuff. So I was definitely going to get into science. Yeah. Um, so I studied for four years through Deakin Uni in Warrnambool mm -hmm. and became an aquatic scientist. And it was through there that I, um, I was doing my honours degree the day that I handed that in, my supervisor asked me if I'd like to go on one of the Antarctic trips that she was organising. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, <laughs> because that was my lifelong goal to get to Antarctica. Yeah. Um, so I went there on three different trips and it was incredible. And it was during that time that I found my absolute love of photography so I'd had cameras before yeah um, my first camera was when I was about nine years old and I'd you know mum would get me a film every now and then and I'd brush the dog and make him all pretty and take his <laughs> photo and my rabbit and even got some nice photos of my mum and all that sort of stuff but it wasn't until the age of digital photography that I really ran with it because I couldn't afford films and processing and all that where digital made it so much easier makes it much more accessible yes. doesn't it yep so um my first slr camera i read the manual cover to cover um you know i learned all the things that it could do and went to antarctica and oh my god it was incredible um you know you can't take a bad photo of an iceberg i'm sure like they're <laughs> incredible um, getting to see all the animals down there there was yeah. whales and seals and oh just penguins I love penguins <laughs> so I've ended up with thousands of photos yeah as you do yeah and then yeah a few years later um you know coming back to Australia getting married and then thinking about having kids I'm like well can't really go to Antarctica all the time if I'm wanting to be a mum and I knew that once I had kids that that's where I wanted to be yeah. because I know, like I love other people's kids yeah. um, and I couldn't imagine leaving my own to go somewhere else. Like I used to cry when I was leaving to um, visiting my brother, um, having to leave my nephews and not seeing him for months at a time. So yeah. I knew that once I had my own kids that that would be where my heart would be. So, um, yeah, kind of set up a life that was possible with kids and being self-employed seemed like the great thing to do because you know then you can work around your kids like yeah yeah that's a great idea in theory until the kid comes along and you realize that <laughs> reality don't, such a they don't just place. eat and sleep and poop they actually do a lot more than that <laughs> so yeah it wasn't really I mean my both of my kids are at school now yeah but yeah for the last however many years well my son's nine so yeah for the last long time yeah. I've been working around daycare kinder um all that sort of stuff so pretty much one or two days a week where I could yes and then it's only last year that I was actually able to well not really last year because most of that was in lockdown 
um, that I can actually work school hours and take the businesses to the next level. Excellent. And, yeah, I'm really enjoying myself, though. I still love it. That's wonderful. So if people want to uh, connect with you for the Quit Smoking program, how would they do that? Uh, So I've got, um, if they want the book, it's on thequitbook.com.au. My... um, the program has a different website. I, the, I'm working on getting them merged, but I, yeah, I need to hire someone else to do that for me. Um, so the, about the program is quitin60eastgippsland.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm on Facebook as the quit lady because every time I went up the street after I started, I had it um Quit cigarettes in East Gippsland or quit cigarettes in 60 minutes East Gippsland was my Facebook page. Yeah. But every time I go up the street, especially if I was wearing this red cardigan, which is me on the book (laughs) and on my newspaper articles and all that sort of stuff at that stage. um, Yeah. People go, oh, you're the quit lady. I'm like, yep, that's me. So then I changed. So, yep. The quit lady on Facebook. They say. Yeah. So on the Quit Lady page, I actually have quite a few and a growing collection of um, free videos that people can watch. Right. So there's one helping people to release anxiety. Um, there's others that are, you know, getting people to think differently about smoking. Um, there's all sorts of stuff on there. So if people want to have a look at those, they're okay. in the free video section on the Facebook page. Awesome. And we'll uh, add the uh, all your contact details to, at the end of this video as well. There'll be a slide with all your contact videos. So thanks very much for coming um, on the show today, Kelly. It's been such a great pleasure talking to you. And thank you for sharing so much about your hardships and your life. And um, it's always just so hard to say goodbye. So thank you very much. And for those who are watching, please do subscribe to the channel and leave us a comment below if you would like to uh, uh, make a remark or comment on something that Kelly shared with us today. She shared some very personal stuff with us today and um, it would be wonderful to know what you found valuable about the conversation and has it helped you overcome any of your obstacles that you're currently facing. So thanks again, everybody. Please do subscribe. Please leave us a comment and we will see you on the next podcast. Bye for now.